1: Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia.
2: Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin and today we'll be speaking with Katarina Matrevska. Katerina is an author passionate about supporting those in recovery of mental health. Katerina, in her poetry book, Breakthrough, The Reason Mother Didn't Love Me, writes about her lived experience as a young carer for her mother who was given a diagnosis of schizophrenia. Katerina's book, Breakthrough, gives the reader insight into the life of a child whose mother experienced a deep loss of herself. Katerina hopes that by sharing her most personal thoughts and experiences, she can support others to find solace, acceptance and peace within their own story. Now, before we get started today, I'm going to hand it over to our guest, Katerina, who has kindly offered to do today's Acknowledgement of Country.
1: Today, I reside in the Yarra Ranges Council and want to respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners, the Wurundjeri people, as the custodians of this land. We pay respect to all Aboriginal community elders past and present, who have resided in the area and have been an integral part of the history of the region.
0: Beautiful. Thanks, Katerina. Um, and thank you for coming on the show today. Um, could you just share with our audience a little bit about your background? Um, I understand that you grew up in Macedonia caring for your mother uh, who has schizophrenia. What was that like for you?
1: Thank you for having me today, uh, Kaelin. And yeah, I was born in Macedonia and migrated to Melbourne when I was 19. The community in Macedonia doesn't have much understanding of mental health and what it means. It has this imposed shame and fear associated with having a family member with mental illness. So people in general don't talk about mental illnesses and people who experience mental or even physical disability are usually excluded from the community as there's little, you know, social support or any form of community support. So, being in that environment and having a family member who was experiencing mental illness and still is experiencing mental illness was challenging on many levels. It obviously um, imposed on us that fear and that shame. Of having a family member in mental illness, which thinking about it now makes me very saddened, mm-hmm. um, and I really hope that that attitude will change. There's been a lot of improvements in the last ten years, and a lot of uh, people are coming forward and saying this is wrong. We need to change the system, we need to change our thinking, but we'll take a thing a lot more. Um, and a lot longer for people to open up and accept that mental illness is not a crime and is no one's choice and is no one's fault. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, a lot of stigma to be breaking on a lot of different levels, and uh, not having um, any formal government um, uh, services or propaganda education to provide to the community, I think um, it just makes the whole um, situation a lot lot more difficult. Mm. Um, so for myself and my family, that meant that we lived very, um, in a way, excluded life. Um, and um, myself, as an older child, took on a lot of responsibility to care or support my mom, support my dad, look after my brother, look after a household and um, keep going with life. Mm-hmm. I will be at the same time living that childhood life and um, play on the streets and have some friends who knew that my mom was unwell but didn't really know what was wrong. They would not ask questions. I would not talk about it. People were at school students um, teachers would know that something was not right because my mom or dad never came to, her, uh, to teacher meetings and no one will ask why so there's like this elephant in the room is there, but it's not um yeah it was um uncomfortable situation to to be living in
0: mm,
1: yeah
0: no it sounds very difficult and i think it sounds like the the system uh, in macedonia has definitely put up some barriers there i mean you talked about shame and fear and exclusion um, and you did say that that phrase, um, you know, to be treated not as though mental health is a crime. So mm-hmm. I, as a child, do you think that you understood that your home life and uh, maybe even that your mother was a little bit different from everyone else's?
1: I think, yeah, definitely. The, my first memories um, uh, of understanding that something was not quite right from when I started primary school and uh, mum would spend more and more time in bed sleeping, she would be less um interactive, she would um not support us with homework or she would sort of not be able to do a lot more of the household uh work, including the cooking, the cleaning and all of that. Uh, looking after us um, and comparing that to other children's parents from the street we lived in or at school, I was realising that something was not quite right and something was different with my family but didn't really talk about it or um, ask anyone for any help or any questions because um, there's not that mentality being encouraged to okay. ask questions. Yeah. Mm,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that that um, that makes sense, given that, as you said, you know, um, there was a lot of stigma. So perhaps hiding these sorts of things was important as well. So perhaps maybe your parents didn't sort of, um, you know, allow you to kind of think that there was anything different happening at home. And mm. on that, what is the mental health system in Macedonia like? Um, you you did say that you know there's a lot of stigma there, um, but were there many supports available? To you and your mom at
1: all? Fortunately, the mental health services very poor and limited in Macedonia. Pretty much non existent, to be honest. Apart from the hospital, the main hospital, and um, the mental health ward within the hospital, and the mental health hospital itself, which is only for people who have mental illness in Macedonia, it's, it's quite different than if you see it in Australia, went through the process of the institutionalisation many years ago mm-hmm. when Macedonia there is still this one hospital that I really think that should not be operating, um, but it's there. Um, apart from yeah, that hospital and the mental health ward, within the general hospital, there's, there's no other community support services like we have here in Australia. You know, many non-profit mental health community organisations and government-funded packages and programmes there's none of that in the Savannah.
0: And it's still like that now?
1: Oh, yes, unfortunately. In um, the last 10 years, through Facebook you know, so I got to know that there's a lot more um, private um, psychologists and psychiatrists that are now operating. There's a bit more talks about mental health. But well, that's, again, a lot more within the um, community that had more education. Um, Obviously, my family is in working class and there's that class differences uh, where, um, you know, people don't have access to the same services or uh, to the same um, education. Um, Yeah, if you're lucky enough, um, you might have some, um, like a Centrelink payment Mm -hmm. from a service, that's sort of equivalent to Centrelink. Um, that will give you a form of pension which is very minimal um, but there's no like carers that will come to your home and take you your doctor, appointments or support your home or social you know workers yeah they had none of that.
0: Wow so it sounds like unless you had money really you couldn't access the services that were available or if you were in a you know a crisis point then you'd be hospitalized.
1: Absolutely, unfortunately, that was the situation. Yeah. At our worst times when mum was really struggling with her uh, psychosis and uh, hallucinations, she would, she would just take her to hospital. The ambulance will come and uh, take her to hospital and she would be just um, basically um, sedated yeah. for, for, for a week or whatever it was until um the hallucinations and you know, the delusions were um ran away for that time oh, yeah. period and then she'll be just left with a very low mode, mood mm. um, until the symptoms um came back again she yeah. wasn't really given a proper diagnosis until i was nine uh 18 sorry a year before i migrated to australia so we had these episodes of in and out of hospital of low moods or just surviving or existing. Um, and I do not recall any mum being on any uh, regular medication uh, treatment or anything until, yeah, I was about 18. When I think even at uh, that point, the that, uh, therefore injection was um, introduced yep. in Estonia, and uh, we did all the paperwork before, uh, while well, I was getting my papers ready to so come and study in Australia, you we were preparing those papers as well for want to start the treatment. And since then, um, lots of things have changed for our family. The is doing remarkably well. And she has regained, you know, a sense of self. She's able to function and, um, you know, leave the house and have mm-hmm. a sensible conversation. And, do, you know, her activities of daily living, which she was at one period doing none of. She spent mm-hmm. days in bed. Um, barely getting out to eat because she, she was paranoid of being poisoned and someone's trying to kill her and you know,
0: hmm.
1: all those um, hallucinations and delusions she was experiencing.
0: Yeah, I imagine as a child that must have been quite scary and also quite confusing at times.
1: Um, you know, yes. uh,
0: So as a young carer, what did a typical day look like for you?
1: At um, The Better Days, we... As a young kid, I would be cooking and cleaning, supporting mom to take her medication, encouraging her to eat, um, playing with my brother, you know, doing a lot of household work, um, and then playing on the street with other children. Writing, always uh, I like to write. I used to write a lot just to sort of reflect on my own well-being. And how am I feeling? How am I going? What's happening inside myself? Um, and then at the not-so-great days, uh, we'll be just basically trying to stay away from mum to give her the space to um, deal with the emotions she was going through, and this is in the stages when she was having hallucinations and illusions. Um, so we don't sort of upset her more, or she doesn't directly um Impose um, those um, negative emotions and um, feelings towards us in yep. a way. Yep. Um, so we don't sort of directly witness it. We didn't have to bother what, what she was going through. She was obviously verbally uh, like, saying things um, that did not make sense to us and that was making us a lot more scared and confused because mm. we were seeing that side of mom. And then we're seeing another side of mom and she was okay. She was not experiencing symptoms, but at the same time, she was not really able to be affectionate and fully present for us. Yeah. No,
0: I can can relate to that. Um, My mother was quite sick and I was a young carer myself. And um, Mm. I think as children, you learn to see the signs, you know, the smallest little Mm. thing you can pick up on and know, okay, this is a change, this is something different, this is something I have to be aware of. And it was interesting hearing you talk about, you know, that switch from, you know, Katerina, the carer, who's looking after the whole household to Katerina going out and playing with her friends. And it's just like being Mm. able to switch those two things. And uh, in Australia, young carers make up at least uh, one in 20, um, which is quite a big amount Mm. Mm. of of all Australian carers. Hopefully um, your story can help build awareness for some of the young carers, not just in Australia, but maybe even all over the world. What are some of the challenges faced by young carers and as a society? How do you think we can help young carers overcome those challenges?
1: I think... um in general, no matter where you are in the world, when you're in a situation where you have to be a carer, what you need the most is the emotional support, apart from you know the material help to be able to support and care for the family or the friend you're caring for. As a carer, oh, I can speak from my own experience, um, you usually give so much love and so much attention Um, and you do that a a little bit more in extra because you need that yourself, because you need that yourself. You know how it is um, not to have it, then you give it to somebody else. Um, So the community in general, um, the society, I think should um, provide platforms for young people to come forward and, talk to each other, share the experiences, offload in a way and show each other um, compassion and kindness and make each other belong um, and be heard and understood Mm. and supported. I think just having that secure um, network where you can express yourself without feeling judged um, gives you that extra strength and encouragement to keep going with your role, as a carer, but at the same time, remember that you are also a daughter or a son, you know, you are a child of that person you're looking after. You're not just a carer. It's from my experience, I think for years I was in this mode where I just saw myself as a carer. I had to do this, I had to keep going with the tasks to keep uh, rolling, you know, the, the everyday life. I had no time to stop and think that, you know, should I try and have a conversation with mom about, you know, just general life, you know, how are you going or how are you feeling? You know, I, I was not even, I think I was maybe too, probably even afraid to start the conversation. We were just talking about medication and bills and um, food and what to do when to make sure things get done. Mm. Um, so to have that safe space when you can, go away for a moment from all that um, responsibility um, and uh, socialize with other people who can understand you. I think that was one of my challenges. I had really no one to talk to who can understand me, where I come from. Mm. That is why I turned to writing so I can read my own thoughts and reflect my own, my own thoughts. Um, but, yeah, having that platform for young people, in, uh, think, I think Australia have a lot of, Uh, different programs that support young people but there's always more that we can do uh, and um, yeah
0: no I agree agree completely I think you know having all those things in place is good I know we do do a lot here in Australia for for young carers there is a lot of supports in place here but I think it's really important to note too that you know as a young carer as you said you know the relationship with you have with your family changes so Mm. it'd be nice to have some support in place to sort of help that relationship be more um uh standard or yeah yeah. just the way that you know just like as you said that the family bonds rather than it just being about the wellness of the individual who's not doing so great and and also your your role as a carer so Yeah. yeah so if you've just tuned in um you're listening to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM and we're talking to Katerina who is here today to talk about her experiences as a young carer of someone with severe mental health challenges. She's also here to um, share with us her new book as well. So we've talked about your early experiences growing up with your mum in Macedonia um, who was diagnosed with schizophrenia and what it was like for you as a young carer. What was it like for you when you first came to Australia?
1: I was extremely excited <laughs> to have this opportunity to explore the world and come into a country where I would be seen and valued for who I am as a person and my qualities, rather than my family history, my family's um, status, financial position within the community. In Macedonia, there's a lot of um, a lot of differences in between. Uh, working class uh, community or um, status and other, you know, communities. So it's all about um, who your family is or how much money you have. And if you come from a particular family, you get this type of job. I actually studied a secondary medical school in Macedonia. we um hope to do nursing. But because I had no one in my family who is, like, in you know, a doctor's position or nurse's position, I stand, you know, a chance to, get a job in a hospital, regardless wow. how good I was. Yeah. Um, and and that really, really bothered me. So I just needed to get out of that that mm. thinking was suffocating me. And I was so grateful that I did get the opportunity to oh, come here. That's
0: so good. Yeah. So it sounds like identity is playing a big part in in a lot of you know your experiences. Um, mm. and perhaps coming to Australia you were able to create your own identity for yourself, um, which is so important. Along with coming here today to share your lived experiences as a young carer, you've also come here today to talk to us about your book, Breakthrough, which is really exciting. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yes, uh, Breakthrough. It was um, it was a real breakthrough, writing breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that um, a lot of emotions came out uh, from writing Breakthrough that I sort of forgot were there and I feel like it was the last stage of me um, dealing with my childhood um, trauma um, or experience. I I don't sometimes find saying the word trauma kind of applicable to me or uh, emotional negligence like my parents were not negligent towards me intentionally. It was unintentional emotional negligence, emotional trauma that happened to my family and through writing breakthrough, I sort of put a whole a conclusion to the whole um, experience, to my whole family's experience. Um, uh, and um, writing it, obviously, I went through a lot of different phases and conversations with my mom and dad and brother and how they feel about it, how it will affect our life, are they feeling okay with, you know, sharing our story with the world. And um, my dad said to me, if you think that sharing a story will help other people, will be beneficial for the greater good, you go for it. You do it, and I really hope it will change other people's lives. Um, so I, yeah, I brought breakthrough um, with that intention to hopefully be available for people who need to hear what I needed to hear when I was a child, when I was completely lost, when I had no avenue your direction. If I had someone saying to me back then that everything is going to be okay, it is not your fault. You know, you go through those stages as a child and you think it's your fault that your mom is unwell, then you go through the stages. of blame, blaming your parents, blaming everyone else for the situation you're in, going through stages of realisation and then you're feeling guilt of blaming, you know, everybody or your parents about the situation you're in. So all this is in the book in different poems. Every poem yep. sort of captures a different stage um, of my experience. And I think um, people who have read it had really um, found themselves through the poems. So I had a lot of positive feedback, um, which oh, makes good. me really happy.
0: Yeah, no, well, that's wonderful. So, Katarina, I believe that you've got a poem you'd like to read for us today. Can you tell us uh, a bit about what this poem means to you?
1: Yes, uh, kind means just basically being kind to yourself and others and not jumping into assumptions and conclusions about anyone's life or experience based on their appearance. I have a lot of people, (laughs) I've met a lot of people who... Uh, will see me and um, create an image about me and then when I when we get to know each other and tell them about my story and they were like, "Wow, you just don't look like someone who's been through all of that. Um, so yeah, being um, kind and acceptive of everyone, um, I think can make a lot of difference uh, for for that person's um, experience. And if you would like me you I know, can read that poem.
0: Yeah, that would be lovely.
1: Okay, here we go. Kind ignorance is pathetic. Judgment is undesirable until you know the true story. Do not make assumptions. Do not dare to speak about the reason, about the pain. Darking enough won't solve the problem. Unlike being tolerant and respectful real. This is not a job for the strong muscled man. It is a project for the fears of soul. Now that's that's kind.
0: That was beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that today. Um, What advice do you have for other people who might have shared similar experiences with you?
1: I think the advice I would give to others is to give themselves time to live through the emotions that come with uh, the experience, you know to live through the pain and the grief, the rejection, the loneliness. Because that's the only way that uh, you will reach to the stage of acceptance and courage and confidence and bravery. Um, that was my journey. Um, no, no matter what happens in life, we we all experiencing the same human emotions um, and you can't jump between them. Usually, you know, it's people with bottle up all the emotions that challenge us or make us uncomfortable or, you know, make us sad or unhappy. But, um, but unfortunately, to sort of make peace, with yourself and your experiences you have to let those emotions flow you have to accept them you have to let yourself digest them so you can move on otherwise at one point in life sooner or later they will come up and they will be a lot more uncomfortable to deal with those um um emotions yeah. and to give yourself the permission to say no mm. when you're not comfortable with doing this as well as saying yes when you're feeling a bit challenged to you, um, give yourself the permission, a bit of confidence to accept new challenges and, and to grow. Sometimes, because of experiences, we're a bit more fearful or insecure and might say no to opportunities um, that, that we actually very, very qualified for, mm. but we can tend to um, underestimate ourselves. Mm. And I'm talking here about my own experience. I've been through a lot of these situations, and now looking back at life, I'm like, I should have done this. I should have done that. These opportunities were basically knocking on my door, and I thought I was not good enough. Mm. (laughs) So, going from that experience, now I'm living life completely different.
0: So, you're living it to the fullest now, which is great. That is great advice. And it sounds like you've done a lot of work on yourself um, through your recovery journey. Um, You should be very proud of that work. I mean, this book is a a testament to that. Um, But I guess before we finish up today, um, my last question will be um, if, if, you know, anyone wants to reach out to you or or to purchase your your new book, how can they do
1: that? Yes, um, I do have a website, uh, which is com, and I have shared a few things that I've been working on on the website. My book is available there. There's actually some photos from my family that um, describe different stages yep. um, of our life. Um, and you can send me an email or message. I'm on social media. There's links to my social media on my website as well. Okay. Yeah, I would love to hear from people and people's feedback. I'm always um, open to, uh, to any messages.
0: Oh, that's great. And I'll be sure to include all that information in our show notes today as well um katarina thank you so much for coming on brainwaves today um i intend on having a read of your book breakthrough it looks fantastic and congratulations on the book and also you know everything that you've achieved um since you before and since you've been in australia as well so thank you for inspiring our listeners and sharing your story and i hope that it gives hope to many others as well
1: thank you so much Helen. i hope as well that's all we have
2: time for today on Brainwaves, but you can find more of our shows at the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on Spotify or where you download your 3CR podcast. Uh, if you have a story to share or if you'd like to send us some feedback or suggestions for future shows, please email us at brainwaves Thanks for listening, everyone. Please stay safe and we will be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR.